I'm Don Kennedy, your host of the Profit Accelerator Podcast. I'm an attorney, author, mentor, and CEO of a growing coffee company. Thanks for joining me on the show that looks at all aspects of business from the mindset to the sales to the money left over at the end of the month with tips and strategies to help you navigate this amazing ride called entrepreneurship. Thanks for making us part of your journey. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Profit Accelerator Podcast. And today we are talking all things sales. For some of you, you're going to be like, oh, sales. For some of you, you understand that that's the engine that drives your business. And I brought in somebody who not only teaches sales and has done sales for corporations, but she's also a trademark scaling to 5K, meaning very early on entrepreneurs learn from her how to even hit that first 5K mark. So Megan, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk about sales. Yeah, this is going to be an episode where some people are going to be like, oh, and some people are going to be like, yay. So we'll see how it goes. Why don't you tell everyone who you are and who you serve? I am a sales expert of the last eight years. So I actually started back in 2019 slinging t-shirts in a ski town to running my own sales team when I was back in my corporate career, my past life. I traditionally have helped online coaches and service providers, uh, people who are just starting out who decided they wanted to start a business and grow from there all the way up to some seven-figure entrepreneurs. So really just focusing on learning how to sell and then really refining sales as you get down, you know, the basics of selling and past the mindset that sales could be icky, sleazy, or gross. Yeah, that is a huge resistance that I hear from people is that, you know, selling is not something I like to do, or it's not something that I'm good at. But let's talk about how important it is for people to be consistently selling if they're starting with a small business or a hobby business and getting to that first 5k mark. So why are sales so important? And what does the IRS say about it? Well, the IRS says that if you're not creating revenue, it's a hobby. And so you can't actually write off your expenses, which is the first thing to consider. Why I focused in on 5K months was when I was starting out, it was really hard to imagine these large numbers that we were seeing, you know, 10, 20, 30, these huge numbers. And I was like, I had actually made $5,000 in one month before. And so that was really tangible for me. When it comes to consistently selling, there's two kind of things that are happening that as a founder, owner, operator, you know, brand, one, you're building brand awareness because you're consistently showing up, talking about the products, talking about why someone would buy the product, sharing, you know, the behind the scenes, making the products. Those are all sales activities within your marketing. But what you're also doing is creating a customer base because the most important piece of your business is creating that customer base, whether it's, you know, a one-off product that they only buy as a need basis, or, you know, it's something that people can come back. And as you add different products to your product suite that, you know, maybe they buy one thing, maybe it's a lotion or a candle or something like that, that when you add another thing, they can come in. But without brand awareness, it's really hard to compete in the market that you are competing in because, 
what a lot of people do is they have a build and they will come mentality. And that was something I fell into very early in business that if I just build the Instagram page, if I just start talking about my offer, that people will show up. And in reality, the most powerful thing you can do is sell and even sell person to person so that you can build that customer base. And then they tell their friends about it. And then you continue to build your brand. And that essentially could take you full time if that's your direction in your business. So leaving your job, if your job's super unfulfilling. So when you say selling, even selling one-to-one, selling one thing at a time, how do we do that? Like, what are the steps that somebody needs to go through to understand that it's not icky or gross, it is something you need to do, but doing it where the sales process itself becomes something that they actually enjoy and look forward to? The first part is dissecting the mindset around sales and why sales is gross. Um, I never had any plan to get into sales. That's what I tell people all the time. And people laugh because they're like, well, this is your whole thing now. And I'm like, I was 19 years old, walked into a t-shirt shop because I wanted a job. Right. And in that moment, you know, when you're in a traditional sales career, commission can make or break a check for you. Um, When I worked in t-shirts, we didn't get commission on the actual products that we were selling, which as an owner, you can set it up so you get commission or you have, you know, your base that you're paying. But what we did get was um, if we hit our goals or if we exceeded our goal, I would get extra money for the hours that I was working and I was working a lot of hours. And so like I fell into selling, but then I personally had a bad sales experience when I went to go buy a car. So I had to readjust it. The thing about sales is sales itself is something that you are doing every single day without realizing it. When somebody asks you what book to read or what product or where to go to eat, or do you like this thing? You are selling, you are communicating the value of a product or a service or an offer But when it comes to us, there's a lot of personal attachment. And then there's a lot of industry talk about what is good and what is bad. Here's here's the cold hard truth is that you do have to make money in your business. And the quickest way to do it is to sell. And once you get over that mindset, you can really move into the mechanics of it. Now, what I see a lot of founders do is that when they struggle to sell, they think that they need to talk more about everything, you know, every benefit that's to offer, everything that's in the product you know, all of the pieces. And what selling really comes down to is what is the core desire of your ideal consumer? I know for you at Convoy with coffee, like it was good coffee. Like this was a passion project. That was a hobby of you guys roasting beans. And then it turned into full-fledged coffee. People don't buy coffee just to buy coffee. They buy either the experience of coffee or they buy coffee because it's an energy. That first piece of understanding what the desire is or the product of the product is so important because it changes the way that you sell because then you don't have to talk about where the beans were grown and how long they've been roasted unless somebody asks for that details. You get to sell the experience of the coffee. When it comes to really getting to know your market and what people are asking for or desiring, we are in a day and age where like people are more opinionated than they ever have been and they've probably posted it on social media. So instead of just typing in, you know, what you offer, your specific brand, type in the type of what it is. So, you know, instead of typing in, you know, Starbucks as the coffee brand, you would just type in coffee, see what people are saying and collecting. From there, it's coming down to that one desire, having one message, and then literally repeating the message over and over in your marketing. So if you're getting on TikTok or Instagram or emails or the sales page or the website or 
in-person sales will know you for that product. They know the brand. They know your story because sometimes our message ties in with our story. That's where you know you've really hit it. But a lot of people want to focus on like, what are the things I need to say? Or what do I need to focus on? It always starts with that core desire. You have to, in marketing, we tell, you know, we say like, sell them what they want, give them what they need. Knowing what they want is the most important piece because that want also ties in to the need. So I'm going to say this turns some of the uh, conventional wisdom of poke the problem, poke the problem to get the sale on its head. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, so you're saying that when we're going and selling, we don't necessarily always have to like poke at a problem and say, look, this is going to fix it. You're saying this consistently is the value that you would get when you invest in this or when you purchase this, or this is, you know, what I have available that could give you a different experience. Problem awareness is not wrong inherently like sales isn't wrong. I think what's happened is a lot of scab picking when it comes to it. Inside your marketing plan, you know, there are the five stages of awareness. You have someone who's completely unaware. Then you have problem awareness, which is the agitation, the poking the problem, telling them what's wrong with the problem. But the piece from problem awareness to solution, then to product, to most aware, I think a lot of people forget about. I would say when it comes to your marketing, you should always have a diverse blend with it. But if you're just kind of scab picking, if you're just constantly poking at the problem that they're having, your consumer may not resonate with it in that capacity. And while that's traditional marketing and sales, you also have to remember that traditional marketing and sales were built by men and nothing wrong with men, but men have very different thought processes when it comes to how they're solving problems and what they're orientated in versus most people are going to be selling to a female consumer. Um, A female consumer controls 80% of the discretional income in a joint household. Um, And they're also the largest growing consumer group with women waiting to have kids, buying houses, starting businesses. Women don't do as well with just pure agitation because our emotional centers, we've been taught to talk about our feelings and have very complex feelings and like really just the diversification of emotion and understanding a deeper level of that. So with like female consumers, you can do problem awareness, but if you continue to just kind of pick at them, they're not going to move in the direction that you want. Do you never talk about the problems that they're ever having? No. Um, There's a lot of like black and white thinking when it comes to marketing and sales, but I also don't agree with like always doing problem awareness. It also comes down to, it's kind of a multi-layered question. It also comes down to the maturity of the market or the awareness around this. So when I started in the online space in 2019, uh, sales wasn't really talked about the way that it is now. And like sales psychology there was not a market for there. When I came out in 2020, fall of 2020, and talked about how I had this program that was connecting traditional psychology into the sales process, people thought I was crazy. So that's where the problem awareness of them maybe, you know, using a script or talking with a script and not understanding how to adopt it or how to understand thought processes, that's where you would move them into solution awareness. Now, because the market has matured, I can talk about sales psychology without bringing around the problem awareness because the consumer has more information around it. But just like standard poke the bear, problem awareness, very aggressive style marketing, we're seeing it trend out because it just isn't as effective when you're constantly probing someone. 
Yeah, that's a very good point because I think when people think of sales, um, that might be what they kind of flash back to is maybe their experiences uh, with salespeople across different products and services. And there was a time where it was really aggressive. You know, it's like, if you don't do this now, you're going to miss these opportunities. If you don't take advantage of this, it's never coming back around. And I think what we've seen mature also over time is that's not necessarily true. If this is the quote closeout sale or the last time this will ever be offered, and then six months later, you see it back on the shelf or you see it in a different iteration with the same outcome, I think we start to lose that sense of urgency that's very aggressive in some previous types of sales cycles that we've seen. So today, what you're saying is, is we need to be more solution aware and putting people towards solutions, understanding that they've already probably, I guess, recognized the problem they're trying to solve. Yeah, I would say with like today's consumer, there isn't a lot of lack of problem awareness, because what do you do when something happens? You Google it, right? Or, you know, Gen Z goes on TikTok and looks at like, why are they having the problem that they're having? With the false sense of urgency, why it's not effective is it breaks trust. This idea that you have to buy now or it's going to go away forever or, you know, that was actually really coined by Disney. Disney really brought false urgency to the market because it was like, you have to buy this video before it goes back into the vault and they would take it off the shelves, put it back in the vault and bring it back out. So it taught these like smaller timelines for things. But in this day and age, most of us know that like there are marketing plans out there. If you've had it happen where there's been a high amount of loss aversion and then it comes back, it it breaks the trust with the consumer. And that's the other piece of sales is like a lot of the selling that's happening is either a personal relationship that you have with them. If you're doing more of that, like one-to-one conversation or these relationships that we're starting to feel through so much transparency in social media where they feel like they know you. And then when you do something that's maybe out of the alignment of what you've created as a brand persona, either you as the brand persona, like we see with some of these larger cosmetic companies where the founders are talking about it. Like I think about Tar and I think her name's Maureen who started it. Or there's a brand persona that's created by your brand because of personification that that relationship, if they you do something out of alignment, you break that trust. And that trust with the consumer is everything. Like that is such a key piece. Yeah. Let's talk about that. So building this really deep trust also builds that kind of repeat buyer base, right? So people, uh, I know we've talked before about moving people through early adopters, right? Innovators, early adopters. And then you get into that majority, early majority of buyers. Um, As you're moving people through that and getting them to where they become repeat buyers, how do you build on that first instance of trust where they see something in there. I guess I'm going to use the word lurking because social media, they call it lurking for a couple of years. How, how do we do that? How do we move people through that to getting them to where they do not only trust us, they now trust us and stay with us and then become a long-term buyer? Trust is such an interesting concept because from a marketing and sales standpoint, what we traditionally see is people try to remove it, right? They try to have that like in this capacity, the consumer makes this decision It's just like the basis of any relationship. And so you have to have, you know, with your consumer, there has to have to be a mutual point. That's probably the product and the solution around the product. But there also has to be kind of this like, it's almost the human emotion of vulnerability and rapport. 
When you're starting out as a business, a lot of times people latch on to the founder story and that's where they connect. And we're seeing this through TikTok, through these products that are going viral, selling out, uh, whether it's a smaller product like we saw with hair oil from this black business owner who uh, she built the hair oil because there wasn't anything like it on the market and she has black hair and she was experiencing a lot of those things. People originally latched onto that because they saw, you know, the rapport was built through her talking about her story, but the vulnerability was her talking about as a black woman struggling with this product market that is predominantly for women. So that's kind of the first part when you're at the early adopters, the people who are sitting right at innovation. When you're really getting them to adopt and getting more people to buy in, really building that bell curve, the trust is going to change where it shifts to, hey, I love this product. I love the founder's story and other people have seen results from it. Where a lot of times the trust is kind of broken is that when people start seeing this massive momentum in their business, they think that they have to change. They think that like that message was old and it has to change. And the other side of that is just consistently talking about what you have to offer, who you are, why someone's going to buy this product, what it's going to change for them. And that's where that's where this trust is built through consistency, the vulnerability, which happens with founder stories or solving a problem specifically. And then just the rapport of that consistency of them not changing them not using the false urgency or the false scarcity or, you know, staying true to who they are, like not building a brand story that's built on something that really isn't their story. Right. Yeah. This is so important as you were saying about consistency and stuff, because uh, I'm sure you've seen this before in the marketplace where people put something out and they don't leave it out there. So they pull it back or they change it before they get a chance to, like you said, move into that bell curve. And the more people that are moving through the early adopter into the majority, they do need more of that social proof and see it working for other people. From your experience, how long do you think this takes? What is realistic for people? I say, if you bring a new product into a brand that's known, like inside Convoy Coffee Roasters, people know what we stand for. If we bring out a new product, I won't do anything for about 90 days. I'm going to give it 90 good days because I know my audience and things. I can't speak for every other business about the length of time, but what do you think at a minimum people should be doing to get them into that bell curve feedback and awareness? I think 90 days is a good marker for anyone. I think it also depends on brand awareness. So using Scale to 5K as an example, when I introduced the concept Scale to 5K in 2019, I spent so much time explaining what it was scaling to 5K months and what that looked like because 10K months were so prevalent. And the languaging of Scale 2 was also not super aware. Now you see it everywhere. Uh, Scale to 5K really grew velocity about, see, September of 2019, introduced the concept, which fun fact, if you do a trademark, you have to prove point of origin, which is why a lot of people were like, you're not going to get it. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to get it because point of origin exists on social media. So we have like an exact date and the trade and patent office, they love exact dates. Um, And we even submitted like the proof of it. So it caught wind probably August of 2020. So if it is, if it's something existing in a market already, it will perform better because there's kind of this scaffolding that happens in our brain where we make decisions with things we're familiar with. If it's not familiar, I would give it nine to 12 months 
um, with larger concepts too, because that's what I also saw again when I launched another program called Consistent Sales System. The name tells you what it does, but the style of program I didn't see when I launched it this time last year. So it was a 12-month program. And a lot of people were like, a 12-month program is really long. Well, now that we're a year later, what we're seeing is more of those come out. So if it, if you have strong brand awareness, which you can tell because people will come to you and say, oh, I know you for so-and-so or such-and-such, 90 days is a good marker start. If you don't have brand awareness or it is a relatively new concept, you could give it nine months to a year to really keep trying with it. When it comes to products specifically, if you're introducing something to a market, understand that there is a learning curve to create familiarity around it. If it's already existing in a market, instead of you creating familiarity around the product and the concept and then selling the benefits of it, people already know the concept. So then you're just selling the differential and the benefits of it. Yeah, that's really important too. I I like that because when people go to do sales, I know because I've heard the people say that this is revolutionary, this is new, um, and it might be the way that they are presenting something in the marketplace is new or revolutionary. But really, in a lot of cases, we're maybe making a better mousetrap. So the sales process where you are not just going out there and telling everybody this is new, which could maybe even harm people's perspective or perception of what is this person talking about? There's something similar out there. You're saying the differentiator would be actually the stronger sales points right from the right from the get-go. Yeah. I mean, a really good example of this, if you're really thinking about it in the market, is like Apple creates new features for their phones, but the concept itself is not new. Um, it's interesting because the things like little things like being able to plug in a verification code from a text message, like Samsung had that for five years before. Apple even got on board with it. But then when they relaunched software, they were like, there's this new feature. They didn't pretend like it was a whole new concept. Now they have with some other things. So, you know, obviously take everything as a grain of salt. But where that differential comes from is instead of acting like they fully invented something, they talk about how it's so much better for their consumer with product loyalty. If you're bringing a brand new product onto a market and it's not a concept you see anywhere, that's where you talk about it's new and it's different. But just saying it's new because it's new to you or you're new to the market, the consumer doesn't have that much attraction to it. That's where you kind of talk about, you know, a lot of times there are reasons why you create a different product or why you start a brand, whether it's like the brands that are on the market absolutely suck and they don't perform the duty that they do, or there was a specific situation that you decided to then have your kind of UVP around it. And that's where I think a lot of people struggle with their messaging, where it's like, if it's established in the market. So if we want to go back to hair oil, hair oil has been established in the market since way before any of our times. So saying it's this new hair oil, wouldn't be super effective with the consumer, but talking to how they've tried other hair oils, maybe they haven't tried everything on the market, but this was the struggle that they had or they didn't enjoy it. And this is why they picked this product and did this formulation that would be more attractive to the consumer in the sales process. Yeah, I love that. I mean, setting up from the beginning and understanding where you are in the marketplace as you're going out there really sounds like it'll streamline your ability to connect with your market, whatever that part of the market that you want to go to. 
So last question, and this has to do with what happens when you get those, you know, sales to 5K and these people kind of get that nailed in and they want to scale up. Do you see people changing at different financial benchmarks because they think they have to mature messaging? Yes. Uh, There's two ways to kill your business. One, completely change your message because you now have done X amount or think that you have to change. Um, And the other side is a lot of times brand extensions that don't make sense, uh, which I bet you have a whole episode about like how to do brand extensions really well. What I think happens is like, as a founder, I experienced this firsthand is that you do get sick of telling the same story over and over. Like I have a very infamous story about how I took $200 and turned it into 200K. And part of me was just so tired of telling that. So I was like, oh, I need to switch up my messaging. You know, people are going to get tired of it, right? That's the mentality of it. In reality, though, you you don't have to fully move to mature messaging. You don't have to change your message because the people who bought in at Ground Zero who liked the message aren't very different than the people who are looking at it now that it's gained some popularity or some notoriety. What really you have to kind of niche into or like get really specific about is like if you're changing the message, how does it benefit the consumer? But don't forget everything that you build. And this was something that I did where I was like, I don't want to tell the $200 to 200K story because I was tired of it. It just, for me, it felt really stale. And then I realized that that was the story that I had built my business on because so many people had resonated with those moments. And so what I would say is just continue to use the voice of your customer, what they're saying, and adjust to that now that you have people who are saying they like the brand, they're leaving reviews. But just because you hit a 10K month, just because you hit a 20K month, just because you do your first $100,000 or you do $300,000 in 90 days, you don't have to change it because there are some people who have never changed their message and it still does well on the market, even though the market has vastly changed. And that's something, if I could go back and tell early stage Megan, just like keep, you know, even if you're tired of it, people aren't tired of hearing of it. Just refine the message that always focuses on the consumer. Yeah, I love that. Thanks for answering that because I I do see people make benchmarks and then change and then they wonder kind of what happened. <laughs> um, and I think we've all done it at one point or another. I know I have. And, you know, it's it takes a little while to come back from when you do that. So Megan, where can people find you online? How can they get into scale to 5K? How can you teach sales psychology and get people really comfortable with making sales with their products and services? The best way and easiest way is always to find me on Instagram, but I do have a website as well. Luckily, I am the only Megan Lamley out there to my knowledge currently. Uh, We are starting to dive into genealogy. So there might be another one, but there's not one as famous as me. Uh, Always start with... Instagram. Um, and then a scale to 5k is we, the enrollment can flex depending on how many people we have in it. But if you have listened to this and you're like, I want to learn more about sales, scale to 5k, sales psychology, any of that, just slide into my DMs. I'm still in my DMs every day. Um, and we can talk about what's best for you. My handle is just at Megan.Lamley. So pretty easy to find. Awesome. So we're going to put that down inside the show notes. So whenever you're listening to this, when it releases or two years later, you can find Megan and ask her any questions about sales and look at her program. So thank you so much for coming on here and having this conversation. It's an important one. Thank you for having me. All right. I'll talk to you all next time on the next episode of the Profit Accelerated Podcast. Take care. 
Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Profit Accelerator Podcast. If you want some more information about me or free resources, please visit my updated website, donkkennedy.com. Follow me on social at donkkennedyxo on Instagram and on Facebook at donkkennedymentor. I'll see you next time.